Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Devin Hester episode of Believe in Vikings. We're following up the steam of Warren Sapp from a couple nights ago, who was the most bombastic in a good way, in an excellent way, um, guest that you could have on a Vikings show. Uh, check that episode out. It was a couple nights ago. You can find that on our website, Believe in Vikings. Um, so tonight we will have Devin Hester. Um, we will also have uh, Julian, who was our Bears guest about a month, month and a half ago. He's our analyst tonight for Chicago. And then we'll have Ron from Eden Prairie again. He's our Vikings analyst. And of course, Super Bowl champion, Bryant McKinney, as always. Um, so we're going to get into the fact that this is the six and seven edition. The Vikings and the Bears are six and seven, and playoff hopes are on the line. It's not a guarantee that either one of these teams is going to the playoffs, but to stay alive, one probably has to win this game. So before we hop into Devin Hester's arena for the night, let's talk about BetOnline.ag. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all of the action at BetOnline. The Vikings and Bears over-under total is 46.5 points, so if you think it's going to be under that or over that in a shootout, which would be a little bit weird, um, head on over to betonline.ag and put your money where your mouth is. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online, and there is always the online casino that's open as well. It never closes, so head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Enemy territory is where we find ourselves tonight, but that is a beautiful thing because we are blessed to have Devin Hester on the show tonight. Devin, tell us what you've been up to in 2020. Man, trying to stay COVID-free, man. That's one thing. (laughs) Um, But other than that, man, just to retire life, you know, um, really get an opportunity to spend time with my kids. I got three boys now. 11, 8, and uh, 2. So it's been a big transition from playing in the league, you know, waking up 6, 30, 7 o'clock in the morning, just getting up and going to now, you know, getting the kids' clothes ready. And <laughs> like, the rest, clothes. like the rest of us? <laughs> yeah. That experience has been, you know, it's been pretty fun for me because I missed out on a lot. You know, playing in the NFL, people don't realize that Playing in the NFL and having kids, you miss out on a lot. You miss out on the majority of first day of school, what they had on. Um, you know what I mean, to the plays and stuff they may have and ceremonies that they have in school. Like, you miss out on all that type of stuff. So, me getting an opportunity to to, to get an opportunity to go to those type of events and uh, see my kids grow up and, and watch their pro- their, them doing progress and, and projects and stuff like that in school, it's, it's been very uh, exciting for me. Okay. Uh, myself, I have two children. Uh, one is nine, one is four, Violet and Stone. And then, Ron, what are your kids' names? Uh, Rubina is my uh, only daughter right now, and then my okay. wife is due um, in March with oh. the baby boy. So, um, yeah, my, yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, so we can completely empathize with what you're talking about, at least the, the <laughs> moments and stuff. We weren't cool enough to be professional football players, uh, <laughs> but we're with you on the kids' part. So and the next question I have for you, Devin, and I asked this of all of our guests. I asked this to Warren Sapp, and he got hostile. Uh, go <laughs> here. Uh, just so I can set the table for our listeners, how closely do you follow the Bears in 2020 or the NFL in general? Uh, man, it's, it's, it's been a lot, man. You know, for me, as an ex-player and then with the COVID and everything going on, thank you, with the COVID and everything going on, it, it as a player, you can't help but watch football now because that's really the only thing you can't do right right now. So I've been keeping up with them. They started off, they started off rolling, man, and then it's, <laughs> it, it, it's tough to watch now, you know what I mean, in quarterback situations, and then they – back and forth with that situation. Then the one they want to play gets hurt. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough season for the Bears, man. It's been a tough season like this for a while since the first time Khalil came and we thought we were definitely going to the Super Bowl after they had towards the end. And um, right now we're just hoping for that, that type of season to bounce back. Okay. Um, what about – so you played for the Falcons and the Ravens. Um, are those like, you know, you side-eye those teams or is it Bears, Bears, Bears for you? No, it's – it's, it's I, 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 I tend to watch up. What's up? Nah. <laughs> but I, sorry about that, y'all. It's all right. We love it. <laughs> yeah, but um, I tend to watch the Falcons because there's still players out there that I know um, that's still playing in it, playing in the plan right now that I play it with. And the Bears, you know, I I left them in 2014, so I don't – I think it may be one guy on the team <laughs> from the time. <laughs> so, you know, other than that, it's a lot of new faces, a lot of new coaches. Um, yeah. So it's hard to watch other – it's hard to watch your team when it's a lot of guys – majority half of the team, you don't even know them. So – but as as a former player, you, you try to keep up with them and, and see what, what they got going on. And, you know, hopefully they're – they will have a chance to make it to a playoff, but I, I doubt that right now with the season they have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so following up on that, like you say um, that you, it's hard to follow the team, but when you're not, when you're not really connected in that. So as a former player, is it typically, where do your loyalties lie? Is it with the, the team that you grew up watching that you were a fan of, or is it with the players that you used to play with that are still spread out across the league? Or is it just, you know what, that was a franchise that, uh, that gave me the chance. So they're my team now. How does that work in retirement? No, to be honest, all three though. Cause at the end of the day, the, the, when you, people don't realize the relationship that you build in that locker room, man, is lifetime. You right. know what I mean? Guys, you, you play six or 10 years with that. You probably see more than you actually see your wife and kids through right. these. You know what I mean? So that relationship and that locker room as a retired player, that that's something that I miss the most. It's some it's, of course it's playing the, the 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 physical part of the game, but it's the relationship that you build inside that locker room. Um the bonds that you build with the coaches, you know what I mean? Those are some of the things as an ex player that we we dread of and we 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 get so excited when we see an ex teammate, you know, maybe out in on a vacation and running to one of them or, you know, just out party and running to one of them is, is that excitement you get from seeing those guys. Other than that, you know, the loyalty that you have with the team, you know what I mean? Especially when you spend a lot of time with one team, it's, it's always an honor to go back, like for me to go back in Chicago and to, to just walk around the city and go to some of the old restaurants that I've been to, you know what I mean? Still have to see some of the, the old faces that, that, that works in the restaurants. And um, other than that, you know what I mean? It's just, like I say, 
the team you play the most, what you spend the most time is the team pretty much, you know, you come around to and you you, you still um, be appreciative of going around and seeing those guys. Ryan, um, so you spent most of your career with the Vikings and then won your Super Bowl, of course, with the Ravens, not the Vikings. Um, is your love for the two purple teams equal or don't you even really think it, think of it that way? I th- I, it's kind of equal for me just because of the fact that the Vikings gave me my chance to spend a lot of time there, but then I was able to get a Super Bowl uh, with the Ravens. So <laughs> I kind of look at it even. So I, those are the two teams I follow the most. The Dolphins, I, I go to the games. I'm living in Miami, but yeah, it's just by default. But I'm, <laughs> I'm paying attention more to the Vikings and the Ravens and how they're doing. Yeah, I hear you. <clears throat> uh, Devin, um, one of the questions we had from Julian, uh, he's, uh, you know, Ardent Bears fan is the biggest play in your career was probably the touchdown in the Super Bowl on the kickoff return. And would you just take us through that moment? Uh, that was my rookie year. Um, it was very exciting for me uh, because it was back in Miami. Um, and getting an opportunity to, yeah, getting an opportunity to play back in my, my college town and pretty much like my hometown and, it did rain, man, and it rained from the moment I woke up, you know what I mean, to the game was pretty much over, man. But that moment of that, that opening kickoff, man, was one of my – probably my best moments of my, my career, you know what I mean, just being in the Super Bowl and get an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl because, you know, you have guys that play 12, 13 years in the NFL and never get an opportunity to make it to the Super Bowl. So for that to be my first, first time playing, you know, and the NFL and getting the opportunity that first year to make it to the Super Bowl was pretty much like a dream come true to every player that played the game of football. And not only that, to, to get an opportunity to run the opening kickoff for the Super Bowl back um, was pretty <laughs> much all eyes are on you, too. Huh? Camera, that's when all eyes are on right there, too. Cameras flashing. That's the, the that boom. Yeah. So, man, that, yeah, was, I remember that it was pretty impressive. So, mm-hmm. same uh, weekend, Ted Ginn had his in uh, Ohio State, I recall. So, oh, yeah. Know, which came yeah. first, but. Pretty odd national championship and Super Bowl open uh, return. So to uh, to a to a lesser substantially lesser extent, you talk about uh, not everybody gets Super Bowl. So Ron and I have been Vikings fans for over twenty five years, and we haven't even got to watch one, uh, <laughs> let alone hear about the four that they lost before we were even born. Uh, so that gets that gets particularly dicey and uh, annoying at times. Yeah, and uh, so Devin, kind of um, playing off of like your past experiences and what you, you know, your career um, as, you know, a lot of it will be defined as a returner. I know that's not all that you were, but the, you know, Hall of Fame credentials as a return man. So I go back to that 07 matchup when the Vikings came to visit you in Soldier Field and it was turned into a Devin Hester versus Adrian Peterson matchup. Um, What do you, what is the, like, what are your takeaways from that that matchup when you're not directly on the field competing with someone like as a cornerback wide receiver, but it's you knowing that, Hey, I get the ball in my hands. I get to dominate, but he's gets the ball in his hands and then he's dominating. What do you think about in a moment like that? I got, a, I got an opportunity to play a little bit of wide receiver. Now you don't forget. No, I had like oh, I, a, a 77 <laughs> yard touchdown pass. If, I, no, I know that. Yeah. And looking at the Vikings box score too, Bernard Berrien and Williamson had, had some yeah. long catches too, but it was just back and forth, but it was literally like 
whoever got the ball last, even Adrian got the punt in the last or the yeah, last drive off. where yep, yeah, kick or off. kickoff. But yeah. I mean, like it, clearly the takeaway was the the two youngsters coming in and you know the, the dynamic plays. Obviously, yeah, you had the reception, but uh, like, what is that like being in that moment of like, hey, it's it's me versus you at this moment, even though yes, the rest of the team is still there, but mano y mano. I think that was probably one of the most high scoring games that year. You know what I mean? Adrian had, I think he had over, over 200 or something yards yeah, rushing that game. I think. Yeah. And so it was, he scored. Yeah. We come back and score and it was, he scored again. Then somebody else on that team <laughs> coming. So I think it got down to like the last two, three minutes of the game. And then I ran the wheel route and went for like 70 something yards to score. And then it was like only like a minute and like 20 seconds on the clock. We were winning. We kick it off to him. He they put him at uh, kickoff retire. We kick it to him. He break for like fifty seven yards. Put them in field goal position, and man, man they come back and win the game. <laughs> so and, and not long, he had probably had like two or three rushing touchdowns early in the game. Hey, yeah, Brian, it was an exciting game. So. Hey, Bryant. So uh, when we had Adrian on, um, I think before we officially turned on the, the the record button, we talked with Adrian about how he never had a problem with the Bears, but. Um, Vikings running backs before and Vikings running backs since always get bottled up by the damn bears. Um, what do you have any insights as to what it was between you guys up front and then Adrian that would, you know, run over Chicago when nobody else. Uh, Adrian is you had to hurry up and get on your blocks quick or here running to your back. So you were really trying to just <laughs> get out, get out this man's way and move some people out the way. So he was a different type of running back. Um, when Tommy was on here, we did talk about your field, Debbie. Your field is kind of like not It's always best. like that. It's always messed up. We, they say we got the worst field in NFL yeah. history, bro. We it's talked about that field. Like that. <laughs> always. Yeah, yeah, is that more conducive to injuries? Field. Like with the I, field the way it is, is that more conducive to injuries, like the way that it's laid out, or is that just – you know, part of the game, and you get used to it I, after a I while. I think what 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 what's so bad about it? Why I feel is always messed up is because they have like ceremonies and concerts and stuff on our field. Like our field is not owned by Chicago Bears; it's owned by the city. Right. Mm. So a lot of people don't know that it's not. That's it's what, not. It's not Tommy Chicago Bears Stadium. So, like, we could have had a concert two days on that field before the game. So the field is just beat us. So all they do is. Rub a little flat machine over it to try to lay the grass down, but it's still beat up. Yeah, Tommy so Harris. Many, Tommy yeah. Harris said there's sand underneath. Yeah, so pretty much it's like it's pretty much just like you know what I mean. You playing on beat up field that's already weak. So the minute you put your feet in the ground, you give the grass is already given. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when uh, Bryant and I were talking, I think in our preseason show going through the schedule, of course, and we got uh, the Chicago notch on it. And yeah, Brian, you gave a speech about that field saying, first of all, it just feels different there. Cause of course the games are all, yeah. the games are Vikings and Bears. I all this about the field. I just like something about their field is like always <laughs> a little off to me. Yeah. And then yeah. when Tommy came on, he said all that. And I said, oh, okay. Cause I never knew what was wrong with the field, but it always felt different to me. Yeah, and then it he was just easy going. Easy, it just it just gave gave real easy. Like if you put a foot in the ground, you digging up everything around it. <laughs> mm. All right, um, Devin. So I, I think most would agree that Mike Ditka is probably the best uh, Bears coach in franchise history because of the Super Bowl. Um, and Lovey Smith would be up there, probably at number two. Um, do you still have a relationship with Lovey, or do you keep uh, keep in contact with him? Well, yeah, most definitely, man. We 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 do exchange Christmas cards and stuff like that. Um, 
you know I can't. I, he's coaching college ball, so whenever he's in the area, I would go watch his games. Um, oh, okay. I actually played at um, South Florida, um, and I actually went and sat in the stands with his wife and everything, and we we, we mingled and stuff like that. So uh, we do text every now and then, checking up on each other. Um, so it is still a relationship there. Like, Love is, is pretty much my guy, and I'm pretty sure he feels the same way about me. You know what I mean? Um, the relationship that we built throughout the years, man, is it was a strong bond that we we created, and it's something that we're, we're cherish. So yeah. now, like with that, as far as like him and a coaching staff, and kind of obviously, you came into the league as a cornerback, and then slowly <laughs> transitioned to wide receiver uh, when they realized, you know, we got to get this guy in the field as much as possible. <laughs> Do you kind of wish that you were able to play in today's era, where all these gadget plays and kind of getting the ball in these playmakers' hands as soon as possible? Do you kind of wish that your uh, your skill set would be able to be showcased nowadays? Oh yeah, most definitely, man. I mean. I sit here and watch the Kansas City game and prime example, Tyreek Hill, man. It's like being in the offense like that, man, like who knows where my career would have went uh, as far as on the offense side of the ball. Um, that's that's one prime example that I, I wish I would have had the opportunity to play in that, that type of offense, man, and that, that coach in my name as well as that quarterback. You know what's funny is Tommy said that same thing. He said <laughs> if, if David had – if David had um, – Offense like um, Kansas City. Tommy used that same. That's crazy. The job yeah. said that. All right, we want to welcome Julian to the show. Um, I want to introduce you to Devin Hester, who I'm sure you watched hundreds of times on Sundays, Mondays, maybe Thursdays. Yes, I am a huge fan, Mr. Hester. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, man. Welcome back, Julian. Hey, thanks, Brian. I'm actually wearing a Hes- uh, wearing a jersey right now, Hester. I had this. I've had this for many, many years. I see. I see, man. <laughs> I think, uh, Julian, I think you had a question about Jay Cutler. I did. I did. So I've had a love-hate relationship with Jay Cutler. A <laughs> uh, lot of talent, had one of the best arms in the NFL. But when it came to his leadership, I've heard rumors that a lot of his teammates didn't get along with him. Now, uh-huh. what was your relationship like with Jay Cutler? It was – it was fine when he first got there. You know what I mean? I guess he's the type of guy he's trying to fill in. Um, especially guys guys that you know have a name for themselves on the team. So um it was it was fine at first and then um I guess when he got a little comfortable, you know what I mean, it's when it's the type of person here came out, you know, and so he he was he was he wasn't the easiest quarterback to get along with, put it like that. Um, you know what I mean? He was kind of more like it was like he had I don't know. Growing up, wise, he he was always to himself. Uh, it's hard for him to trust anybody, but I I believe he had a little trust issues. You know what I mean? But um, so our relationship, I wouldn't say, was one of the best wide receiver, quarterback tandem type type situations. So it sounds like the rumors that we hear on our couches and in my writings are true that. Uh, I don't know if I'd say sourpuss, but uh, I would say something the effect of aloof or not passionate. That's the perception I had. I don't, I'm not sure if that's uh, reality. Bryant, did you did you know Cutler at all? I didn't. I didn't, I didn't hear anything or know anything about him. Okay, fair enough. Um, My memories of Jake Cutler I had was um, NFC Championship game where I think he had like an injury in the game, but it was such a crucial game and he sat out and the Packers won. I remember that game like so clearly. 
I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's the one where uh, Kayla Heyman came in and yep. through, the, through that pick, the uh, B.J. Roger, whoever the little uh, D-type of name was, B.J., and uh, pretty much ended the game that situation. But we, like I said, it was in the game. It wasn't like yeah. it was getting blown out. Like, it was a close game. Exactly, you know I mean? remember. But, I, gotta I mean, pick. it is what it is. You can't change the past, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't know how serious the injury was, you know what I mean? But, hey, that was his decision of sitting out. I have to chime in because a lot of these listeners are Vikings fans and they can echo, not that you guys, the Bears fans, will care, but that game was absolutely criminal that we had to watch that in the NFC Championship, both of our rivals. Kudos to both of uh, your teams for getting there, but I remember thinking this, this, this had to be the NFC Championship. Uh, but, you know, obviously, but no the hard Bears are ne- in my, At least in my mind, the Bears are never on the same level of, like, I want to say hatred, but uh, they're not on the same level as hatred as the oh, Packers. You don't have to hold back. Level. I know. It's just like, just like us, and uh, like we're nothing to the to the Bears when it comes to versus the Packers. So I know that as well as a fan base. I'm not talking about the players, but uh, so yeah, I'll always root for Chicago ten out of ten times over the Packers. So. I'm just so sick <laughs> of going to their house, Hester's house. And no matter how good or how bad we are, not knowing what to expect from the Vikings, it's like uh, you can be you can it's our be tonight, no matter what. Yeah, spectacular season, and then you go there and they look like uh, like junior varsity type of dudes. So it's it is a vendetta, and it's not rooted in you know very good reason, uh, but I do have it. So Blame that's the a, field. Yeah, yeah, the field. I get <laughs> but, but they can agree with that at times. I mean, has to have mm-hmm. a lot of problems with it. Uh, that's a segue to my question. Um, I asked this of uh, most of the guests we have. Uh, you played, uh, Devin, 16 times against the Vikings in your career. Can you share some of the notable memories that you might have against playing uh, versus the Vikings or, or even with McKinney, against McKinney? Uh, I love, for some reason, I love playing against the Vikings, man. I, <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> great game. I, I mean, I know B. Be on the phone, but man, for some reason, I always scored against the Vikings. Like, I think pretty much we every year we played the Vikings, I scored on them. You know what I mean? So it it was always a punt return, not receive a touchdown. Like, and it playing against them is, I felt like I had a lot of highlights against those guys. Like, you know what I mean? From I, I know it was a couple games where I had a punt, the a punt return, a punt return, and a receiving touchdown against them a couple times, man. So, I mean, but they, like I say, they we had to play on twice a year, so it did give us opportunity to play more. Um, and kind of felt like you know each other, you know, you play them so much every year, you know what I mean? You just feel like after a while, it's the same people over and over and over again, and you know what to expect. But at the end of the day, you know what I mean? I, I get those guys props, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I, I love playing against the Vikings, though, man. <laughs> so you said, like, you always ha- happen to score against the Vikings, and I remember that vividly. It's always just kick it out of bounds, 20 yards, who cares? Like, it's going to be further back anyways. But with right. that, like, and nowadays, in today's game with the NFL, and it's seemingly trying to eliminate the kickoff, I understand for the player safety reasons and all of that. But do you think that overall trying to – mitigate the the success of returns you think that's good or bad for the game as a whole i think it's i think it's just eliminating you know what i mean some of the excitement of the game because like people get tired of seeing two and three yard touchdowns you know what i mean 
people want to see, you know what I mean, a 60, 70-yard, 80-yard touchdown where they see a guy screaming down the field wide open and, and turning on the Jets. Like, that's what the fans want to see, you know what I mean? Like I said, you get, you get bored of watching teams just plowed in on the goal line, you know what I mean, okay, two-yard touchdown. You don't even get excited for it, you know what I mean, because you, you knew they were going to score, but it's the, the least expected thing that you see, you know what I mean, when it comes to the big, long, from one end to the other end, touchdowns, like, I said I was able to sit in a couple like skyboxes. And like when you see a long touchdown, it's just a big it's a big difference from watching a short oh, yeah. touchdown, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? So people want to see them excitement, big plays. So yeah, touching on that, do you think, Devin, that you would still be able to sustain that level of success in today's era where they're trying to eliminate kickoffs or make it less less of an impact? I mean, Cordero Patterson's able to kind of do it, so I assume that that you would as well. Yeah, I think so because I um majority of my special team touchdown came out came off of punt returns. You know what I mean? So the punt return game is still in fact. You know what I mean? I think when it comes to the kickoff game, it's it's limited because guys are just kicking it out of the end zone deep. And um, to be honest, that's pretty much how my after my mid second season of the NFL. That's what I was getting, though. Like, I wasn't getting the ball kicked me after, like, mid-second season of, of my career. You know what I mean? I was getting all the balls kicked out of bounds, the squib kicks, um, a lot of touchback. That's that's what I was getting from, my, like I said, my second year in the league, those, those types of kicks. So, to be able to still put up those numbers, you know what I mean, it's just I think I would still be capable to be able to do it if I still played. But, you know what I mean, in reality, you know what I mean, you got to get more of the punt returns, and that's what – I don't really see a guy that's just standing out when it comes to the return game of punts. Like, you get one or two returns, but it's not like back in the days where the Leon Washingtons and the Josh Cripps and all those guys and me, myself, was um, getting four or five returns a year. You don't see. And those feel like the biggest blows to a team. Like, obviously, like, a, you know, kick return is – right after score. Um, so at least there's points and exchange by points, but yeah, yeah. the punt is like, that, that changes everything. So everything. <laughs> so Devin, um, also kind of, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So Devin, to me, um, you're definitely should be a hall of famer. And I know that, um, you're eligible in the next couple of years for a hall of fame. And there's not too many returners. I know when I'm looking at the hall of fame, I've seen Dante Hall fired the most recent one. But do you feel like this will be a first ballot Hall of Famer in a few years? Because you definitely have all the return records and great plays to prove that you should be in the first ballot. I, 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 to be honest, I think so because it's, it's, it's been talked about too much. You mean like it's not like when I'm eligible, whether or not I've been like it's, it's been talked about since I was maybe in my third year in the NFL. The numbers that I put up, like every time I score a touchdown, you hear the commentator, this is all, this is Hall of Fame worthy numbers here. You know what I mean? Like, so it's been talked about so much, you know what I mean? From, from, from what I've been doing on the field to the time when the time comes, it's like, I feel like it'll be a no brainer, you know what I mean? But hey, it's, it's a couple guys in front of me, you know what I mean? That's waiting as well at, at the return game. So I, I don't know, you know what I mean? Where that go, you know what I mean? I think me being in the, top 100 in NFL history being listed as one of the return the returner I think that right they're really really going to give me an edge on and, then do, you, and then do you think that and then do you think that anybody may end up breaking your records because there's some pretty high numbers 
<laughs> I mean, the guys that have a chance are not playing now, so <laughs> <laughs> they are retired. So I guess when we see a guy that hit, uh, start getting close to the double digits in the return game, as far as um, getting to that eight, nine, ten, ten return mark, then that's when you kind of have to keep eye on those guys. Corey Patterson right now, I think, has seven to eight total, I want to say. So he's pretty much the only one in the league that's chopping at it. So other than that, everybody that's in the double digits is all retired. So I, I want to jump in um, when – the Vikings played the Bears last, um, and the second half was starting off. And I, I say this not to say that anything was rigged whatsoever, but just the way that the camera worked when Patterson got that kick, it was like it was cinematography in motion when he scored. <laughs> it was like it was like they were filming NFL films in the moment because they had they knew that he was capable of scoring a touchdown. And I was, of course, I was pissed, uh, but. <laughs> I mean, it's double pissed because he started his career as a Viking and we loved him. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was beautiful. And the, the camera work was fantastic. Um, another thing. You know what's funny? That, yeah, let's hear it. That camera was the exact same camera when he did the kickoff return touchdown against the Saints last year. When Cordell <laughs> Patterson scored the kickoff return touchdown against the Saints, it was the exact same camera view. So when it happened this time, I was like, wow, like they just know what he's about to score. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. what he oh, no, man. He- Actually, get a car like a drone that drive right over your head almost. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it was too, and that's why it felt like a movie, like it was like poetry in motion type of stuff. Um, I want to transport back to 2020 after a little bit of nostalgia there, and get both of your Bears fan takes. Um, we'll start with you, Devin. Can this Bears team at six and seven, the same record as the Vikings, can and will they sneak into the playoffs after that hot start? It's going to be tough, man. I mean, but at the same time, like, who is on top right now in the division? You know what I mean? The Saints? Uh, in the NFC, the Packers, unfortunately, uh, climbed into the one seed in the Saints after they had their turd against the Eagles. Um, they're back to the two seed. Right now, for the Bears, it's a slugfest between uh, the Vikings and the Cardinals. Uh, so whoever wins this Sunday, uh, the reason we have you on the show to break this down, will we'll challenge the Cardinals for that seventh spot after the playoff expansion this year. Uh, and the uh, the Bears did win this past week. So, and who they have coming up? They're playing the Vikings this Vikings. Sunday, and then Julian. Who do Vikings. they play after that? They play the Jags, and then they end with the Packers. So, Ooh, okay, Jags are a winnable game. Uh, I think this game is at Chicago with the Packers. So, you know, our last game at home for the season, a chance to get in the playoffs. I expect the Bears come out a lot better and not as flat as last time. And then Mitch's look. Better each week. I know last week he just like balled out, but I think he's starting to get some confidence. So hopefully that could carry him for the next few weeks to get us into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, with the, it, it, it's always been a, a the Bears always been a defensive team. So if the Bears can come out and at least score on defense, whether it be a fumble or a, I mean kick off a punt return, something like that. If they can get one of them cheap touchdowns in early in the game, I think they'll be good the last two games. But like I said, the defense has to has to put some points on the board, point blank. 
That's a good point. I've been watching this year, and, like, our defense has not been putting up points like we used to when um, Big Vangio was the defense coordinator. As soon as he left, then our defense wasn't putting up the points and touchdowns like we used to. It's always been crazy for me to hear. It's crazy for me to hear that y'all are so into the defense putting up the points. Like, I don't – I guess because I've always been, like, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And – I've been part of like a high power offense, and our defense hasn't been as good. So uh, that's something we never. That's never a conversation for us. But it's, but like even Tommy said, the defense was always like the strength for the team. But I never always, man. I mean, we as at, at my years in Chicago, we fed all the defense energy. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. There's no doubt about it. Okay. And I was still man. Bad. We were playing bad. So yeah. we. It was a defensive-minded team. Like, we fade off the defense. Yeah. Uh, love you. Bryant um, went to the Ravens before Mike Zimmer arrived, and that was the philosophical flip for the Vikings. Um, when Bryant was around, it was an offense first team with firepower aplenty. And um, I guess directionally, the ownership made a change, and they hired Mike Zimmer, who, for the most part, is an outstanding defensive coach. And in 2016, I don't know if you Bears fans care or remember, uh, the Vikings started off 5-0, and and they were doing all the stuff the Bears do. They were scoring special teams with Patterson, and they were scoring on defense with Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin, and they were carrying the offense. After the bye week, they came out, and the defense was done scoring. The special teams was done scoring, and they relied on the offense, and it, it was like a cliff dive. Uh, they went 8-8, eight and eight, and it was a completely frustrating season. And so – we know what it's like now to have that that Bears vibe of football, um, but it's improved this year uh, because the offense is cooking and the defense is reverted back. That's why it's made for uh, a wild show this year uh, because it, we're so used to a defense-first mentality um, like the Bears have always had. So I wanted to make sure I, I slid that in there. Well, you know, it's crazy, too, because, like, Bears have always been a defensive first team, but then we brought in Nagy to be the offensive line, <laughs> and our offense is still not at the top of the league. So, uh, very interesting. One thing I want to get your guys' take on, and this is uh, another change in the conversation. So, there is a kicker um, for Vanderbilt who is a woman who, by some serendipity, has got the opportunity to kick and she's made the best of it. Um, so, on Brian, I'll start with you. Is will we see a day uh, where a woman is a kicker in the NFL? I can see a woman probably being a kicker, but I, I, that's probably the most I can see because everything else is a little too physical. But I can see definitely a kicker. I actually seen her kick. I seen the highlights on ESPN, and um, she made it and everything. So she must be pretty good. So I, I mean, potentially. But then it's like, how do you? She's going to have her own personal locker room. Uh, you know, I don't know how that works at that point. What did you think, Devin? Uh, man, I, did she do field goal or she did kickoff? I seen her do the kickoff. She does it all. She did a couple extra points, yeah, I've seen too. Field goal. So, yeah. yeah, I seen extra points. Okay. So, with that, so Derek Mason was the head coach of that team. And, no, Brian, I can't recall if your time's overlapped in Baltimore or not. Um, but I, I don't know if the, they were doing that as, like, a publicity-type stunt. That's why you got – has got or got fired a couple of weeks ago, but do you think are there negative ramifications or not or negative implications that are seen from the public in something like that? Or I guess as a player, I'm sure that whoever's going to score points and win doesn't matter. But it seems like it's still pretty controversial as far as just 
the opportunity, but he was two for two, and our kicker couldn't even do that on Sunday. On Sunday, so. <laughs> I think people started going into detail to think of, okay, this, this woman's there with all these guys, like, as far as locker room and getting dressed, it's, it's, people start thinking that immediately. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the first thing I thought about when, when I figured, I was like, well, do she, do she come in 30, 40 minutes before everybody get dressed and just leave? Or, like, do she... Right. Locker room, or like, what does she, what does she get dressed at? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's, those, I think those are details that you know when we come to that bridge, we'll cross them. And I'm gonna get on my soapbox for just a minute. Um, I am excited for it. Um, I have a daughter at home, and anytime I see a female coach who's been empowered, or especially this Vanderbilt kicker, um, it is absolutely empowering to say, you know, to my daughter, you know, look at this, look at this woman. Um, so I fully endorse it. I've even told uh, my my friends and family that so long as she doesn't kick for the Packers, I will buy whatever jersey um, that woman, uh, what team eventually plays on because I'm of the firm belief that it should happen and I hope that it, it does happen because uh, I think it will be great for the sport. Like, what, he's a kicker. My, my question <laughs> that is when she do kickoff, right? Yep, kickoff, and field goals, the whole bit. Right, you get a good return, right? <laughs> well, I, I, I know a guy. <laughs> right, and then and she's the last defense. Like, well, that that you that. Know what I mean? Yeah, that is the risk that she will have, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say whoever that pioneer woman is, that she's going to be up for the task because we've seen kickers get worked um, by, and those are strong. There are some kickers out there. There, there are, are some, some kickers out there who you watch. They don't. They don't want to get it, get their nose. Oh nose yeah. in there either. So they kind of do the Olay and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I uh, you know. I I think that'll be pleasantly surprising, especially for girl power, because if a woman is prepared to be on a football field and kick, then she she's at least going to try her damnedest to make a tackle on a Devin Hester. But if it was Hester, she wouldn't be able to catch him. <laughs> no. You need Mike Tomlin on the sidelines like uh, Kobe <laughs> Jones. <laughs> All right, a couple more, Devin, then we'll let you go. Um, you mentioned Tyreek Hill, um, who is absolutely tremendous. Uh, aside from him, who would you consider the most explosive player in the NFL in 2020? And 2020 right now? Is this just a return or is this just a player period? Uh, let's do player period. Um, I think that will encompass enough for the spirit of the question. He has like the type of player like where the last four or five games of the season, he just goes banana, man. So can you say his name again? I think you cut out a little bit. Who who was it? Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Okay, so you're going with yeah. the 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 bowling ball approach to explosive. Just seeing like the last four or five games of the season when everybody's beat up, it's when he really really gets off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even in second half of games, he might be bottled up first half, but no one wants to tackle that man in the second half. <laughs> it's Adrian-esque. <laughs> Especially in the cold, too. You definitely don't want to be tackling him when it's cold outside. That's probably the worst. <laughs> I guess I just got one uh, kind of question, and Brian, you can chime in as well on this. It just kind of pertains to, to the U and, you know, that Miami connection and everything. Um and it's more of just a broad question. Do you think they'll be able to get back to that dominance that they had kind of where those 30 for 30 stories were out, um, like in the late 90s, you know, the eras of just NFL rosters stacked up upon upon everything? Do you think they can get back to that? Eventually, I think it'll take time. I think everybody's trying to rush you back. 
and they have, you know, a couple good streaks here and there, and everybody feel like, okay, they might be back. But they're not back yet. But um, I feel like in due time, they can, you know, make their way back. And kids will start coming back to that school again because they'll be a part of it. What are your thoughts on that, Devin? I have to imagine it's a fun college town. It's Miami. <laughs> That's true. For me as a player and that player, there's like, it's a tease right now to watch them because, <laughs> you know, they could be moving down to the top 10 and then lose a game that they shouldn't even lost. You know what I mean? And it just knock them out the park, man. So when I watch the Canes, man, and when they do have the good CD, good spare moments, man, it's just they end up losing to a team or getting blown up by a team that they shouldn't even lost. You know what I mean? Lost to and that that what really confuses me, man, because they have so many opportunities. Like this year, they had so many opportunities where they've been in the top load out like this. You know what I mean? And then like here we go again. All right, Julian, this is uh, this is your chance to ask Devin anything else that's on your mind because I got one more, I think it's a softball question, uh, but what do you got, Julian? Um, I guess just kind of like piggybacking off of uh, what Ron said a little bit, um, did you have more fun playing at the U or in the NFL like overall? Because you had some good times, I know, at the U, but uh, was the NFL more fun? Or? I think, to be honest, um, South Beach – alone, you know what I mean, club-wise, <laughs> you know what I mean? But then it's a difference. You buy your own tables, you know what I mean? So like I say, partying-wise, club-wise, um, nowadays I don't really like to go to my, but back in the days, when it was like the early 2000, late 90s, could not touch my South Beach, man. But to, to ask your question, man, I think I had more fun back at uh, Miami. What about you, Bryant? I got to ask you that, or I got to reiterate I had that. Four, I had more fun in Miami because we all were playing, and it was like our passion, and we wanted to be great. Like, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't more – We didn't, it wasn't about business. It was, you know, it wasn't like guys weren't being traded in our locker room. It was It was just more fun. It was more family there, too. So I definitely had more fun there as, as well as the scenery. Okay. All right, Devin, one more question. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Before we let you go, I want a Super Bowl prediction from you tonight. I think Kansas City is going back. And I think it's going to be Kansas City, Seattle. Kansas City, Seattle. All right, so you're going to go Mahomes and Wilson. All right, fair enough. That one um, can certainly – be propped up and makes a lot of sense. And what about this Sunday? Uh, Vikings, Bears, who do you got? I like I like the momentum that the Bears got right now. That last game really showed me that they still care, they still have it. You know what I mean? They, they was having fun. And when you get a Bears team that's having fun, the defense, what, the defense is having fun? <laughs> Put it this way. When the having fun, the Bears tend to play a lot better. So the defense come up and start having some, get some crucial turnovers, a fumble here, a pick there and start chest bumping and going crazy, that's when you see the Chicago Bear football. Yeah, amen to that. I, I know the opposite feeling when it starts to click. At least two times a year, uh, we'll watch them. Julian, uh, last time I think you were forced into picking the Bears because Tommy was pressuring you, Tommy Harris, that he is. He was, he was. Yep. And Brian and I even uh, giggled about that after. I was like, I think he was <laughs> leaning towards the Vikes, and that's probably where his gambling would go if he was a gambler. But I'll give you, I'll give you a chance, pressure-free, I think. I don't know if Devin's going to – Get in your face here. Uh, who do you got this weekend? Vikings, Bears. Now, this week, I actually am confident in the Bears. So, we're <laughs> starting to run the ball a lot better. Mitch has been looking better. We're looking sharper. Defense is getting, getting turnovers again. 
Um, and now we're playing for the sense of urgency for the playoffs. I think the Bears come out on point this week. Okay, fair enough. Uh, big man, Brian McKinney, what about you? I'm just going to go with the Vikings because it's um, <laughs> conference. Uh, it's a big game, you know, continue your uh, playoff dreams. Uh, and I know they're going to play. I feel like it'll be a good game anyway. Like it's, you know, in the same conference and they're going to go out here and be ready to play. So I'm going to say the Vikings. All right, Ron, we need you. What do you got? Um, you know, I think, uh, yes, the Bears are, have been playing better. Um, Trubisky, you know, he had a really good game last week, and Montgomery's been running the ball really well. Um, but I think overall I think this is one of those games that um, the Vikings have kind of been in their back pocket as far as ones that they need, being this and the Lions. Um, I think they'll come home. I, I don't think they'll disappoint. Um, I think Bailey will have a bounce-back game. Um, and I think it'll be a 20 – yeah, I think it'll be a 24-13 Vikings win. Okay, well, it looks like we're doing some down-ballot voting um, because I'm doing the party lines thing. I have the Vikings 24-17, to 17, and not quite of a weird or sloppy game as you would see at Soldier, but there will be some odd stuff because it's the 2020 Minnesota Vikings. Well, I appreciate all of you uh, gentlemen joining us. Devin, thank you for coming on to the show. We hope to have you back maybe in the offseason or maybe for the first time that these uh, two foes lock up next year. Um, aside from that, um, that's all we got for Believe in Vikings, uh, Skull Viking. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.